Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M-I-P. With Masamela Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get Woke. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a new piece that has appeared in the Philadelphia Inquirer at Inquirer.com, and it's a very important conversation we need to have. It's entitled Lights, Camera, Crime, How a Philly-Born Brand of TV News harmed black america the piece's author is with us now from the philadelphia inquirer layla a jones joins us on make it plain layla how are you i'm good how are you doing just fine it's a it's a pleasure to have you here with us good good thank you for having me so uh this is this is interesting you know we i think we all can acknowledge how the black community has always been portrayed particularly by local TV, but you're, you're making the case that this really got kicked off in Philly, didn't it? Yes. They actually both were created and invented in Philly. So there are two like news formats that make up what we know as local TV news today. Um, It's eyewitness news and it's action news. And those were things that didn't just always exist. They were made on purpose and they were both made in Philadelphia. So talk to us about that, that Genesis, how that, came to be was there and and was the initial conversation to create news outlets that would portray the black community in a negative light well that's an interesting question yes yeah, so um what happened was it was a multi-layer process that ultimately ended up in black communities you know kind of as usual getting the short end of the stick um But it's funny, um, you know, one thing that people always say anecdotally is that uh, the news is all about making money and that's why they cover certain communities certain ways. But actually, um, that's partially true. Eyewitness News was created first in 1965 and it was created specifically, its um, founder told me, because he realized that he could make money on the news. So prior to 1965, 
the news was more of a public service and it either lost stations money or didn't really make them any revenue. Um, he learned that there was a certain thing he could do with the contract to actually make news profitable. And so that became basically the mission and the motive of news programming. In that vein, it's interesting because I remember, well, since I've been alive, we've always heard eyewitness news and action news. And it never really occurred, probably didn't occur to anybody that that came from somewhere. Right. Um, and well, what was it about Philadelphia, though, that that ended up being ground zero for this this creation? Well, the news director, he actually was at another station first in Cleveland, and there was some sort of contractual, you know, network battle going on. So he really ended up in Philadelphia um, a couple years after that happened in 1965. And so I think he was just enterprising. He was from Pittsburgh. He was from PA. Um, and he just happened to launch that format here. But after he did, and it shot the station, Philadelphia's KYW-TV Channel 3, to number one, um, the other news stations looked for an answer. And so that's why Philadelphia was able to be the genesis of these competing formats that kind of morphed into one, um, because they were competing for ratings and for revenue. And so Action News came out five years later um, at another Philadelphia station, and it was faster. I mean, we know how it is. It's like 15, yeah. 20 second segments. Right, right, um, right. It did well. The creator of Eyewitness News thinks that Action News is what really started focusing on crime and portraying Black communities in a really episodic way. Yeah. So first there's Eyewitness News, then there's Action News originating in Philadelphia. Just to put a, a name to this, uh, your piece focuses on an individual named Al Primo, correct? He was he was that news director that first brought Eyewitness News in, right? Yes, Al Primo, um, he is now 87 years old and he actually still has a news program, a, a teenage news news program. So he's still working. And so now when, so when it started, was it always a focus on crime? Did that go with it? Was the decision made, we can make more revenue, um, we can get more ads, but we've got to make put this crime element in it. Or, or when did the aspect of crime become primary? Um, I believe different people will tell you different things about that. So <laughs> just kind of based on my reading, research, and talking to all these different people, I think that the first step in the local news um, creation was actually making it local. Before that, it really kind of focused more on national stories. He really created the whole local TV news idea to begin with. Um, and so I think that meant you are zooming more on community issues and community um, happenings. And so I think naturally that did um, create a focus on crime or, or disaster or, you know, um, neighborhood improvement efforts. But I think that when Action News came out, they were seeking to be better. And by better, that meant get more eyes on their program. Al Primo, when he made this, he left to New York and brought the format there. And he created this whole um, industry of news consultants. And the news consultants are what started literally saying, program this to the director. So um, eventually, um, another consultant 
Uh, I have a reporter um, who said prior to this, I'm sorry, I have a reporter who said in a news story that the consultant for Action News told them to focus on crime. Um, you know, and it's it's obviously not going to be portrayed as because we don't like black people and we want them to look bad. It was because that's what viewers want to see and we want viewers. So we don't really care about anything else. Um, you actually in your piece uh, quote uh, Larry Kane, who's a former Action News anchor, uh, another person who's almost 80. And, and you quote him as saying this quote. Crime was cheap to cover. It was easy to cover. You shoot the scene, you shoot the blood, you shoot victims, wherever, whatever they got, and you can do it all in 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. So it, that to me sounds like a, a longer way of saying if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, and I know you've we've heard that growing up as a journalism student. Um, we always heard that. That especially when it came to local news, if it bleeds, it leads. It sounds like this came out of that culture of eyewitness and action news. Exactly. Um, I think another person I talked to, Vernon Odom, who was a black reporter, he said, you know, he heard those anecdotes, funny, bloody and quick. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll watch him die. Um, and I think that it was multi-layered. So you have when Al Primo started eyewitness news, he was 29 or 30. You have this team of young people. Um, putting together this new thing at the behest of consultants and directors that you don't really know, and you're just trying to make money. So um, I think that there was a perfect storm of events that created a format that was, you know, broadcast to the rest of the world um, that really didn't take any care for Black communities. But at the same time, they did take care for the suburbs. And so they wanted suburban viewership because they wanted those advertisement dollars and they wanted eyes. So they did the sensational crime stories that made black people look bad and white people look better. Um, you mentioned one of these consultants, Frank Majid, um, who they call the news doctor. He was one of the people who encouraged uh, focus on crime. Your story reads by 1987, violence and crime were the crux of Al Primo's news formula and others, according to studies of TV stations that hired him to guide their programming. Between that year, 87 and 1990, 40% of all television news stories about violence and crime came from Primo consulted uh, uh, stations. So this this has, I mean, we started out folks talking about what happened in the 60s, how this was created, but now we're in 1990 in the chronology. And it's really, taken over and probably continue to focus on crime and particularly crime in the black community, probably continue to grow even after 1990, didn't it? Um, yes, actually, another researcher told me he looked specifically at Philadelphia stations, but, you know, obviously suggested that it could apply to the rest of the country. Um, that in 1998, uh, you know, there was the crime wave in the in the early 90s and the late 80s. And as people who make the news, you do have to tell certain stories, um, but it's the way and the lack of balance that local TV news told these stories that was the problem. So by 1998, that person said, the expert, that crime had fallen more than 40%, um, specifically violence in Philadelphia. But despite that change in violence, that improvement, 
the stories about crime and violence stayed the same. So it showed that the news was basically creating a narrative at this point that wasn't even true anymore. And what was their incentive? What was their reason? It was because they were looking for eyeballs. They were looking for money. And at this point, eyewitness and action news had become institutions. So we know that they're now difficult to change. And and so obviously the different ways in which the black and white community were covered had an impact on how the black community is perceived, uh, the stereotypes that exist about us as a community. And then after a while, I mean, some of that even becomes internalized, doesn't it? I think definitely, because um, one woman I spoke with, her name is Purple Blackwell. She has her own radio station, a community-based one. Um, She grew up in the area. She said, you know, the news was making me scared of my own people. All you see are negative accounts of your own neighborhood. It instills fear. And then in addition to internalized fear of your own people, it also um had potential policy implications right because now you have people watching the news and forming their public opinions based on this unreal um narrative about crime and about black people so they said there were studies that were done that showed people who watch local news are more likely to support policies that create mass incarceration so longer um sentences for things um the death penalty, and they were also more likely to identify criminals as black, even if no race was mentioned. So there is links between local news and racial prejudice that has to do with mass incarceration policy um, because of how they cover crime in a way that's just not balanced. And and you mentioned in your article, even when they do cover crime, in the black community and in in the most quasi objective way it's always on the front end you mentioned they don't these news stations don't return to follow up on on any of the stories that they've initiated it's just that original negative portrayal is out there whereas uh, I, i would note when it comes to other communities stories are presented in such a way, Layla, to invoke empathy, you know, um, and there's a term, I mean, you can Google it, folks, it's on Wikipedia called MWWS, for example, missing white woman syndrome. White woman goes missing. We all have sympathy. Not that we shouldn't. Black woman goes missing, murder, harm, crime, the black community. Oh, that's just what it is. Keep it moving. Um, I mean, that's, and when you don't invoke any type of empathy, you're not really presenting a story about humanity or really presenting a story about human beings, are you? Right. It's really not objective. Like you use that word. It's really not objective because um, if how can you treat one community completely differently and then treat the black community in a different way? Obviously you have certain standards that you know how to uphold when it comes to one group of people that suddenly don't apply when it comes to another. I think of in Philadelphia, um, obviously it's tragic when someone is shot and killed. That's never positive and it's always very difficult to cover. But there was a white young man who was shot and killed and there were days and days of coverage about him as a person, who he was, what his hopes and dreams were. Um, And in addition, 
his his killer was was apprehended. Um, on the flip side, at the same time, I believe it was three young black men were killed in that same period of time, and they didn't get the same profiles. They didn't get the same attention. So it was really laid bare how when um, people look differently, they're treated differently um, in the media. More MIP right after this. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. And you wonder, again, how all these things intersect. Your source speaking of, the, 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 the talk show host you just talked about, speaking of it in, invoking some fear and apprehension uh, that's black on black. Uh, does it, you know, we know how police target African-Americans, but then it, it's like both feet off of each other. If the media, police watch television, they're regular people too. They're citizens. So if you're a police officer and all you see on television is a community portrayed as as violent and, and criminally prone, that affects your perspective uh, on that as well. So it, it, it all feeds... And now I tell you, I when I was teaching at one time and teaching a course in media, I used to talk about the power of suggestion. And when you say that to people first, like, they don't know what that means. So when I explain it, I say this is the power of suggestion. When you're watching television and an Outback Steakhouse ad comes on TV, you weren't hungry. But as soon as that Outback Steakhouse comes on, you want something to eat. Uh, or if you're listening to the radio, most people are listening, listening to uh, digital streaming platforms now. But it used to be when you listen to the radio. The radio station played a song that you did not like, but the radio station kept playing it. And within two weeks, you start singing <laughs> the song. That's the power of suggestion. So I used to say to people that was at play. See, what you did was write the article I had been talking about, but you actually wrote an article and were articulate about it. I wasn't as articulate. I was too lazy to write about it. But what, <laughs> I, what, what I was saying back then was same thing with the portrayal of black folk in television media in news media and every night six o'clock news ten o'clock news leading off with um black people are criminals black people are criminals black people. and if you every day six o'clock ten o'clock every single day black people are criminals black people are criminals black people are criminals black people are violent black people are violent black people are violent it becomes reality to whites to blacks and then you get crime bills mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, that's, that's, and that was what was going on in the eighties and nineties. Was it not? And then you, if, if, and I'll stop in a minute and let you respond, but do one other point. Let's stay in Philly for a minute. Mm -hmm. Philly had one of the most brutal 
mayors and police departments during that era. No good Frank Rizzo. Right. So you, you think about it. You, when you look what you're saying to us with your piece is that if this style of news reporting originated in Philly, then you can draw, I'm pretty sure, a direct line between that and the the criminal behavior of the mayor and the police department toward black people in Philadelphia, if not around the country during that particular span of time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's incredible, a great analysis. And also, you know, at the time that Frank Rizzo was rising to power, we were coming off of the civil rights movement, right? And then there was the whole Kerner Commission report, which I talked about in the story, which did talk about how the media villainized um, Black people. And it said something that was like, if white people only... Um, if white people's only depiction of black people was the media, they wouldn't be um, willing to accept them into society. Something, something along those lines, um, because of how badly black people were portrayed. And so, I mean, basically, exactly. If you have people, it's proven that the media influences public opinion. Are police officers not members of the public? I wrote a story like years ago, how the media killed Michael Brown. And it was just about how, because of media depictions of black young men in particular, as brutal, as criminals, um, the police saw him and immediately saw a threat. They didn't get to see a human being. And, and just to stay in Philly for a minute, minute, not to say too much. I mean, what happened in 85 with the bombing of that whole neighborhood? What helps people be able to do that? The, the move bombing is when a certain community is portrayed in that way. Then you don't even think about, oh yeah, we can bomb that. We can just bomb these people. These just black folk. It wasn't just that they were moved. These were black people. And so blew up a whole neighborhood. Never before, well, that hadn't happened. I shouldn't say never before happened in Tulsa. But, 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 but the point is, this is what, this is what this does. So you've put this before us. Is there, is this waning at all? Do we see any, effort or or way to address this or improve it or or change this approach to news coverage? I think time will tell about that. So I think that there are individuals and maybe nonprofit organizations that are on purpose trying to change those narratives. Um, and I touch on that, especially in Philadelphia, there are um, a bunch of organizations who are training journalists and reporters who are surveying them. I was just surveyed by Resolve Philly today, who want to give resources so that reporters know how better to report on communities and to not just drop in, parachute, tell a story, leave and never come back. Um, I think when it comes to mass media, like the 6ABC, the CBS3, the Action Eyewitness News, um, we'll see if the things that they're implementing make a difference. For example, ABC rolled out race and culture reporters um, in 2021. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if it um, impacts things. But one thing I did want to say, um, addressing kind of what you spoke on before about the reality and how when the media breaks down what's real, it makes people be able to look at a community as if they're not human. Um, one of the important things that I think um, the piece states and the experts told me was that, you know, we do sometimes see 
white faces on TV and mugshots too. So, you know, you don't want a white person to say, well, white people commit crime too and they show that on TV. They do, but then they also show a block party, a festival full of white people. So you all get a balance that's not afforded. And it's not true because in black communities, we're also having block parties. We're also giving back to charity. We're doing all the same things, but those things aren't portrayed for us. So there's there's only one depiction, like you said. And and to take it a step further, folks, let's think about it. That's one of the reasons why you had the success of shows like the Cosby show. The Cosby show was created as its original mission was to counter the negative portrayal that always existed about it. You could not turn on TV in the 80s and see really any positive imagery whatsoever of the African-American community. I'm not, this is not a commentary on Cosby's recent crimes. I'm talking about what what we knew in. We, we only knew what we knew then. So what we knew was, and what everybody knew, was that there was nothing positive. So let's do, let's have a show of, of a black family that's positive, uh, that's not involved in crime. Then conversely, Layla, I would argue, you probably can trace the rise of the proliferation. I mean, it was always stuff like Perry Mason, you know, uh, that, that was for Layla and I were born, but you know, that's always <laughs> about it. My mom watches it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so um, but the proliferation, how many different um, spinoffs of law and order have there been? And, and with that, the, the, the glorification and mystification of law enforcement against an, an ongoing criminal who decided that everybody wanted to see police shows and crime shows. There are more police and crime shows on television than any other genre of entertainment. All right. And I would I would hypothesize, I mean, we can't prove it. I bet if we did some more digging and research, you probably will because you write for Philly and you all have the resources. I'm still I'm still too lazy. But if 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 you did that, I bet you would find a correlation between this era you speak of and the advent of eyewitness in action and the and the crime piece and the proliferation we have today. You cannot turn on a network, Law and Order or, or Special Victims Union, or you even got I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know the Navy investigated crime, NCIS. Who knew that? So we got to watch that too. Can't just do a show about the Navy. Somebody said, we're not going to do a show about the Navy. Let's do a show about the Navy fighting crime. So, <laughs> you know, not not fighting in wars. So I, I bet we can find some correlation there if we, if we look for it. I think you're exactly right. And again, I didn't like deep dive into non-news media, but um, people made that same point. They talked about the rise of fictional um, crime shows along with the rise of crime on news. And they said the same thing happens. It still influences people's opinion about crime and punishment. Folks, this is an incredible piece and, and, and much of which when you, it's one of those kind of pieces, when you read it, you'll say either, wow, I thought about that. Or you'll say, oh yeah, I thought that's why it happened. It all makes sense. And what Layla has done is, uh, tie up a lot of these loose ends for us. This is why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, and this, I think, ought to be an, an advent of us doing something about it uh, and fighting against it and trying to change these betrayals. Before we go, though, what's been the, have, have you gotten another, I mean, this is a big deal for this being a Philly Inquirer, by the way. I mean, you in folks' backyards. All right. So I'm sure you stepped on a couple toes locally. What has been 
the reaction uh, to your piece? Um, you know, it's been surprisingly positive for the most part. People are saying things like what you just said that, you know, I thought about that, but I just wasn't sure, or this is what I always thought, but it's good to have proof. Um, but also, you know, some of the people who I spoke with for the piece who were there at the beginning um, reached out and they expressed, you know, Mike Strug, for example, he was there to begin Action News, one of the pioneering reporters. And he said, you know what, times are changing. He said, you were presented a lot of information that even though I was there, I didn't realize that was happening. And, you know, this is something that we should keep talking about. So it's been really encouraging. Everything has been positive, but for the most part, it's been really encouraging feedback, even from other media and older media personalities. Well, we appreciate that. This is uh, this is a groundbreaking piece, folks, and a landmark piece. Please share it. You can uh, go to uh, inquire.com to check it out. We've shared it on our social media. We'll continue to do that. And if I get back in the classroom again, I now have an actual source other than me just running my mouth. I can say this is Layla Jones. I can source this and footnote it. This is how it's kicked off. And uh, so we uh, we appreciate that. Layla Jones of the Philadelphia Inquirer. I always like to ask journalists like you, what's what's the next project you're working on? OK, well, we're still going forward with the More Perfect Union project. It'll be over a succession of months. And so the next piece, Philly was home to the first hospital. I'm working on a story about medical racism. So we'll see what comes from that. Outstanding. And we will look for that as well. Layla Jones here with us on Make It Plain. Thank you, Layla. Thank you, Reverend Mark. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.